welcome to Paul's Podcast Diary, your weekly glimpse into the life of indie author Paul Teague. Find out how many words got written over the past seven days, hear what's on the planning board, and discover the tips and tools which Paul is using to self-publish his books and get them selling as fast as possible. This is Paul's Podcast Diary, and here's your show host, Paul Teague. Hello and welcome to Paul's Podcast Diary, episode 193 for Saturday the 21st of March 2020. Coming up this week, I'll be uploading the final interiors for two books this weekend, and I've got the cover for my next book already. I'm finally grappling with some essential data after managing to avoid boring spreadsheet work. And I have BookBub news for you. How did the Grid 1 fare this week when I submitted it for a promo? Welcome to this week's diary. I'm just back from a run. I've been jumping in the car and going to a nature reserve which has been locked down for the cafeteria and the loos and everything like that. But you're still allowed to go there. It's a huge nature reserve. Uh, and I'm running there in, in the woods. It's lovely running there in the woods and around the tracks they've got there. And when I arrived this morning, there were no cars in the car park at all. So I had it to myself. Actually, there's some wind turbines there. If you have a look at my Twitter stream, you'll see every now and then when I've been doing my Sunday group runs there, you'll see every now and then I post a picture there and you can see the wind turbines in the background. So I think there were one or two guys up in the wind turbines today. But other than that, when I went in, I had it to myself this morning, a huge nature reserve in the middle of nowhere in Cumbria where I go to run. So uh, for as long as I can, that's where I will be running. And in actual fact, I'm running every day at the moment because I know that this won't be forever. I know at some point our movements will be restricted. So I'm really making hay while the sun shines. And indeed, the sun is shining at the moment. And when I'm at the nature reserve, I'm seeing the, the bushes and the trees beginning to bud up and leaf up now. And the daffs and the crocuses and the snowdrops are out. And there really is lots out there that is still uh, delightful. So while I can, I'm going for a morning run before I do anything. I'm drinking in the beautiful sights and sounds of spring because I know that for a period of time, probably I won't be able to do that. We'll probably go on lockdown for a period of time. So that feels like the best way to spend my time in the mornings while I can do that. But the work, of course, is continuing. And I have been uh, re-editing So Many Lies, which is uh, on release, of course, but I'm just re-editing it. Now, I think I've really got this author brand sorted about how naughty I am with my words, how many swear words I use, that just the kind of terminology that I use. And I'm just really, it's a very light edit, but I, it is very worthwhile. And it will just bring it completely in line with all the other books. So So Many Lies this week um, will be it'll be re-edited by Close of Play on Saturday. I'm recording this on Friday morning after I've just come back from my run. So I've done ep uh, episodes, I was going to say chapters, I should say, chapters 40 to 51 this week. This afternoon, I shall be doing chapters 52 to 54. And then tomorrow morning, when I come back from my Saturday morning run, I shall be doing uh, chapter 55 to the author notes, and then I can just process it, put it in vellum, and I will be sending it out to Sarah Hardy so that it's ready for people to review for my 27th of April blog tour. Incidentally, I mentioned runs. The other thing I should say to you is that all park runs now are cancelled. So this is another reason why I'm getting as much running in as I can, because um, park runs are now cancelled. I won't have my normal Saturday gig. Um, I've also been running on Sundays at a group run at the Nature Reserve. They've also been cancelled. So for as long as I can, I'm running on my own in very lonely, out-the-way areas. 
in the expectation that at some point I'll be back to my machine in the lounge, my kind of, uh, what is it, a cross-trainer machine in the lounge, that that'll be the only uh, exercise that's available to me. So that editing's been done, that will get finished on Saturday. And then also yesterday, I'd forgotten I got to do this actually, that I needed to budget some time. So I did have to shift my diary around a little bit. I got my proofread back from Julie Stock today. So Julie's been proofreading how to start a podcast. I have to submit the final files for that on Thursday, the 26th of March. They always have to be ready four days ahead of launch day. And just to remind you, as far as I'm concerned on launch day, it'll just mean that it's not on pre-sale any longer. It'll just mean that the book's available. I have no plans to market that other than to do what I've done with my WordPress book and my MailChimp book, and that is to let it sit there and let people find it uh, organically. So I don't expect to be making any sales with that. It is a long-term uh, strategy. I might put some, I will probably put some Amazon ads on it actually. I may put some very small and cheap Facebook ads on it in a couple of podcast groups if I'm able to target those, but it really will be very lightweight. I'm really, I've almost forgotten about it. To me, the nonfiction this year is more about uh, the process and, and getting the fiction, the nonfiction titles up there. I don't expect to make massive sales with them. I expect them to be chuggers and I hope that they will bring in small income over time. That's what I'm aiming for with all my, my non-fiction books. So uh, that book, as I say, is proofread. That's what I'm going to be doing after I've recorded this. Should be working through uh, Julie's edits. I, I, I was supposed to be doing this after Julie's edits, but I didn't feel like tackling the edits just yet. So I've done a nice easy job, which is recording this podcast. I've, I've, I've turned around my schedule this week. Or today I have, um, and I'll, I'll get to Julie's uh, when I'm on a full stomach and I've had a snack. So um, I don't know what's in there yet. I've had a quick look through. It doesn't look to be too major. And I think Julie's pretty well made a lot of the edits as we've gone along. But there are decisions to be made in there. And it's always the decisions that put me off starting work on it. So I have procrastinated a little bit, but I can only procrastinate for the hour that it takes me to record this. I've got to tuck into it. And I've got to get it finished today because there are deadlines to hit, as you know. So um, I've also, by the way, got my new cover for the next book. So how to create and sell digital products. So while I was talking to Sean Stevens of Flintlock Covers, Sean um, had done me the final paperback because basically last week, um, I, I, Julie won't have made any significant changes and I needed to give Sean the word count or the page count, I should say, so that he was able to send me over the final uh, paperback cover uh, and he needs to know the spine width for that so the page count is 222 uh, it will still be 222 by the time I've proofread the book there'll just be word changes and punctuation changes and things like that we're not doing a proper edit where I've got to move paragraphs and all of that and enough people have been through that book now for me to know that I'm quite other than minor tweaks I'm quite confident with how it is so what we've done now is Julie has super finessed it uh, and this will make it beautiful, absolutely beautiful for release. But I, I, there are dependencies here. I did need to give Sean enough time to get the paperback cover done. So I needed to give him a page count. So he's done that now. And while I was on with Sean, I said, oh, by the way, the next book is called this. Um, Sean has given me five mock-ups for the, for the cover for that, uh, how to s create and sell digital products. I put it to the vote with my family. It got a unanimous. We all went for the same cover. I already knew which cover I was going for anyway. And my family just um, basically confirmed my bias. Um, it, to me, it was an easy choice with this one. And so that cover is now on the pre-sale listing. And uh, it means 
you know, obviously I put my rubbishy, dodgy, horrible Canva covers up just so I got a um, an image holding holding placeholder. But uh, nowadays, now I've got Sean's cover. It means why I wanted Sean, Sean's cover early is that in the back of the of the podcast book, I will be promoting the Create Your Own Products book, and I wanted to be able to put the pre-sale link in there or the, the genius link that leads to the the sales page. So, so all these things have dependencies, and um, so I, you you need to get them done in the right order, basically. And so they're all done in the right order, and um, I now have a nice sparkly new cover for how to create and sell digital products, and I will put that on this week's show notes, so you don't have to go hunting for that. But it's a very nice cover too. It looks nice and branded with the podcast book, and that's what I'm after. I'm after a lovely row of um, branded books in my non-fiction range. So um, also, by the way, I am, unless unless I really drag my heels with doing Judy Stock's final edits and the processing on So Many Lies, which I hope I won't do, um, I've brought forward my non-fiction writing by a week and I'm now planning to start the writing for how to create and sell digital products on Sunday, the 22nd of March. I've got it all planned out now. I planned it last weekend. I've, I've got the, I've got all the chapter headings and all the subheadings now. So I know exactly what I'm writing in the book. And, um, obviously I can add and remove subheadings if, if I, I get there and I think, Oh, I forgot something or actually I don't need that. That works best when it's merged with that one. Uh, you know, so it's not a complete plan. Uh, but I, off the top of my head, I, I just did all the headings and subheadings and we're ready to go. And by the way, what I learned, I always refine my processes. I learned my lessons mostly quickly. What I learned from processing the podcast book in Vellum is that I make my life easier for myself if when I'm writing the book in Google Drive, if I make my headings headings in the document, and if I make my subheadings subheadings in the document. Now, I didn't do that originally. I just used bold text and underlined text, something like that. And I had to go through those one by one in vellum to mark which was a subhead and which was a heading. So what I've done now is I've created a template in Google Drive, which I could use for my next nonfiction books. I'm always looking to refine my processes. I don't like, if I can refine a process, I always will. So um, I've now got a template, which is chapter one, chapter two, chapter three, chapter four. So I've got it in a, in a Google Drive document. And those uh, words are all formatted as a heading. And I've also then got subhead one, subhead two, subhead three, subhead four, subhead five. And they are formatted in, in the Drive document as subheadings. So when I move the document into Vellum, it will recommend it to recommend it will recognize the headings and the subheadings, and it will save me a lot of formatting time. So that's the process that I learned as a result of doing my podcast book. And if I take you right back to when I told you I was going to be writing nonfiction again, to me, what I'm doing at the moment is I'm I'm not so much worried about these books. I'm writing these books because they're easy for me, because I've got a lot of knowledge. It makes a lot of sense for me to share all that knowledge in a book. But I'm writing them because I'm really trying to get my non-fiction process tied down so that if I write non-fiction, I do intend to write non-fiction in future. We've got a brand for the covers. I've got a process for the books. I know exactly how long it takes me to write the books. And then if I start to do better with the non-fictions or if I find that they're easier to market, I might then pivot to non-fictions because I've got enough fictions out there now. And, and if they make money sort of faster, if I find it easier to make money with them, if I find that I can build more of a, a business around those books, then I might then pivot to non-fiction. But these first three books, 
and rewriting the two, I've got the MailChimp and the WordPress book. The exercise at the moment is in finessing my process, in making sure I can come up with an evergreen non-fiction model that is replicable. That's what I'm after at the moment, which is why I say I'm not too excited about the sales uh, because it is an exercise. And I am happy that I've written the podcast book as a non-fiction book. It's as timeless as you can possibly make it. You can't make it completely timeless. You can't even make your fiction completely timeless because things like mobile phones and tech change all the time. So you can't make it completely timeless, but it's as timeless as it can be. Um, and I've got the format with the web pages as well, where I'm ten- sending people to the web pages to get web links rather than putting them in the book. And there's loads of affiliate links and all sorts in there as well. So I feel like I'm, I'm really tying down the process now. But basically, books one, by the time I get to the third book, which I'll be writing in quarter three of this year, unless I alter my plans, by the time I get to that, I'll know exactly what I'm doing with fiction. It'll all be, I'll know the portion size, you know, the time it takes me. I'll have the whole thing um, sorted out as a, as a process, as a production line, as I have with my fiction at the moment. I know about book length, the ideal book length, ideal chapter length, all, all of that sort of thing will be tied down. So I really am working on process here at the moment. By the way, I don't have that many people actually reading that book at the moment. So it seems that among my podcast audience, there's less interest in how to create and sell digital products. But if you are interested in reading that book, why I would recommend it to you is because I think we're all aware as indie authors that sometimes we can't make the money we need from the books that we sell. And so therefore, sometimes it's well worth um, you know, having another skill that you can use to make money. And as somebody who is writing books, you are ideally positioned to start teaching others and sharing your information about how you how you write your books or, or, or even, frankly, about how you do your job. Now, there's never been a better time to create and sell digital products because it's something you could do while you're in self-imposed or, uh, or quarantine, self-imposed isolation or in quarantine. It's something that you could do from a computer anywhere in the world. And it's why it's been a model that I've always committed to. Because my aim always was, when the world hopefully is back to normality, to be able to travel and to be able to do this work on the road and to be able to sell it anywhere in the world. So creating and selling digital products is perfect. Now, as you know, I started in internet marketing, making training products, making ebooks. So I was writing books before I even got to Amazon. But in those days, there were PDF books. And I was thinking the other day, I might dig those out because there's loads of great content in there to use in the fiction books I'm writing already. Um, I think I've got about five or six of them, but they're all, they've all got great content in there and much of it is timeless. Uh, so I thought I must dig those out from my, my backup drives. But, um, you know, digital products are, you don't have to hold stock. It, they only take you the time to make them and then you can sell them at scale throughout the world to anybody who's got an online payment account. You can list them on multiple marketplaces. They update easily. They don't go stale. They don't go old. They don't need a postal service to deliver them. They just use your expertise. And you may have expertise as a writer or even in your professional career that you can share or just research it. <laughs> you don't have to have the skills. Just research it and, and share the skills in a non-fiction book. So I think really there's never been a better time to hopefully convince you that 
creating and selling digital products is a brilliant thing to do because you can do it from your kitchen table wherever you are in the world. And as writers, as authors, as self-published writers, we're actually just doing a, a small part of that in that we are creating digital products and selling them throughout the world. And those are Mobi files, EPUB files. Sometimes they're, um, you know, they're paperbacks on print on demand paperbacks and sometimes they're PDF files. Um, so we, we are kind of already doing that, but it's more profitable if you make your own digital products, your own training products, because the markup on those can be very high. The perceived value of buying information from people is very high. So that's what I'm covering in the book. That you, you may be interested in reading it as just, you know, as a possible way of making money while you're trying to move into an indie author career. So if you do want to read that book, uh, as I say, it's completely free. You get to see it warts and all, you know, you get to see first drafts. It gives you insight into my writing process. Then just email me, email me at paul at paulteague.com. And just to preempt a conversation that we're going to have, I need to have a Gmail address from you. You need to be sending me a Gmail address because I will be sharing a Google Drive doc with you. And you need to share a Google Drive doc for full accessibility so that you can read it and edit it in a Gmail email. So if you haven't got one, get one. And if you've got one, when you contact me to say that you'd like to read the book as I'm writing it, uh, then please send the Gmail account and it saves me getting back to you with that uh, Gmail email. Okay, so let's move on to general news. And I'm sure I'm not the only one. I know I'm not the only one because I'm reading Twitter and I'm looking at the the kind of forums that we all have as indie authors that I'm I'm really kind of struggling to focus at the moment. I'm struggling to get into that spot that I need to start thinking about my fiction. Now, funnily enough, I'm having absolutely no trouble whatsoever with with the normal routine stuff. So sitting down and doing webby stuff. I'll talk to you about that in a moment or two, you know, geeky stuff, looking at websites and mailer light, uh, doing nonfiction. I'm having no problem with that at all. I think the reason for that is, is that it's more of a start and stop scenario. I've said to you before that when I write nonfiction, when I'm doing jobs like that, I can have podcasts or, or music on. I have music on when I'm writing nonfiction, but I can have podcasts on when I'm doing websites. And, and it my kind of your brain it's like when you're driving you know when you're driving and you've driven for a mile and you think blimey I can't even think what happened there but all the time you were I think it's called automaticity that's what uh, Robin Sharma calls it automaticity when you're doing something that you're so familiar and expert at you know exactly what you're doing that almost the brain takes over so there's no question at all that when that happens to me when I'm driving I'm totally concentrating I'm looking at the distance between the car in front I'm looking at my speed I'm, I'm aware of my surroundings but it's happening so automatically that um, I'm not I'm not almost consciously aware of it and and so you know that's how I'm I am when I'm doing uh, you know mailer light and websites and non-fiction but with fiction as I've said to you before for me it definitely uses a different part of the brain I really am feeling some um, you know some real friction with getting back to the fiction at the moment now I don't have to start writing. I, I can bump the dates on my fiction till quite late in the year. Uh, I, I was basically, I basically planned it out. I, I need to have my non-fiction sorted. Well, I say this is, these are all arbitrary. Frankly, these are all arbitrary targets, but I wanted to have my, my non-fiction written it, just in terms of, of obviously being clear to editors and things like that. I wanted to have it written by the 10th of September. But to be honest with you, you know, I can bump, bump, bump that. I can, I, and, and I already have bumped it this week because I, I've recognised that I'm sort of struggling a little bit with this. I don't really feel like getting into fiction mode at the moment. So I have bumped my writing by a week. The reason I've been able to bump it by a week 
is because uh, I was supposed to be in London doing the the London Park Run this weekend. I was um, I'd got some tickets to go to a Hexham Literary Festival. All of that's been cancelled this week, of course. Uh, so that was a week I had. We were going to go up to Scotland for a week, uh, obviously, and also we'd pencilled in a holiday in uh, Scarborough way. Um, there's a reason for that. We were going to explore the coastline and things like that. But um, we'd seen Scarborough on the TV. There's a TV series and said, oh, that looks really nice, Scarborough. And I went I went there once for a, a BBC conference, just, just for a Saturday and Sunday. But I was stuck in a hotel conference room all week. I didn't get to see Scarborough at all. So... Uh, I just thought we'd seen it on the TV and thought, blimey, Scarborough looks lovely. So we'd said, oh, let's go over there and explore the coastline because we used to live a little bit further down that coastline when we lived in Hull. We used to come up to Bridlington. So we've done, we know part of the coastline there, but I, I wanted to explore more of it. Uh, that's obviously going to be off now. So all these plans that we had have been completely cancelled. As I said, I'm kind of expecting to have to dig in until September. Now, I can't really see that we're, we're all going to start to, to, to move and, uh, again until at least that at the earliest. That That's my personal plans. So that's created a lot of weeks that were going to be non-writing weeks and are now writing weeks. So it does give me a lot of bumpability uh, with my fiction. And I am going to say to you at the moment that, you know, cut yourself some slack with this. I'm tuning in. We're in the UK. I know that a lot of you are listening throughout the world. I've had Pippin in Canada. We've had Adriana uh, contacting in Italy. Uh, You know, I know you're all in different parts of the world, and I know that situations are different in different parts of the world. So, you know, I just send you my personal best wishes for your good health and safety while we're talking about it, wherever you are. Um, You know, but things are going to change. They are going to evolve. And, um, I'm looking at the Prime Minister's briefings, as I'm sure most of us are, at about five o'clock in the UK every day, just to see if you know I shouldn't be doing these runs anymore, um, if I need to just lock the door and that's it, uh, which I'm sure it will come to at some point. So it's so unsettling. It's really hard to, to focus and write, I think, at this time. So I may have to cut myself some slack with that. Now, what I can say to you is that I will definitely be very productive with non-fiction because that takes a different part of my brain. I can pick it up and, and drop it. Whereas with my fiction, um, I, I have to get into that zone. I have to sort of write in in 5,000 word blocks. That's how I'm most productive. So I might be able to get back to that point. And also I might be able to get back to that point in two weeks or four weeks. Um, but there is lots of maneuverability in there. I am aware that I've got lots of jugglability within, you know, within all, all the schedule. But if I'm, if I don't get to the fiction, I will definitely be more productive with the non-fiction. So if I'm not writing fiction on those days, I will be writing non-fiction. I will be getting those non-fiction books out even faster. So I will be productive. It just might not be, it just might not be fiction. And I'm also thinking of returning to a couple of non-fiction things as well. You know, I told you, I think last week that I am going to refresh my MailChimp and my WordPress book. I may, um, with my MailChimp book, reversion it as a MailerLite book as well, because that's fairly straightforward to do. I've got loads of nonfiction work that I could be getting on with and, and, and creating and refreshing units which sell. So this is all about you know, selling units as well. So I just feel there's a lot of maneuverability in there. Really, we're all, all of us are making it up as we go along at the moment. And I'm happy to do that because I could be massively productive during that time. It just might not be the things that I hope to do in the same order that I hope to do them. And with that said, by the way, I noticed that Adriana Liccio, and I hope uh, you're all well, Adriana, you posted a lovely picture of your 
your beautiful dog. <laughs> it's lo your dog looks so calm. Uh, a beautiful, calm dog, a beautiful creature. Um, thank you for posting that. I hope you're all well in your part of the world and, and you were out in the garden. And I have to say, if you've got a, a garden spot at the moment, it is beautiful out there um, at the moment. So, you know, there are things, many things still that we can enjoy. But Adriana posted a, a nice post, and I'm sh I'll share it on the resources page. Um, it's an article called How to Write While You're Freaking Out. Now, I, I has, I'm not freaking out, but I know what they mean. You know, the sense is how to write while you're distracted by what's going on in the world is really what that should say. I'm definitely not freaking out, and I would urge you not to freak out too. But, um, you know, the sentiment of the post is how do you write when there's so much going on in the world and you're completely distracted? So I've shared that post on this week's show notes for episode 193. Okay, um, so I've been productive this week. As I say, the, the level of productivity isn't going to go down. It's been amazing this week, actually, because I, you know that I do client work and I've had to pivot with, with client work. And I, I, I could see this was coming. And I asked all my clients to start reorganizing via Zoom and, and doing all my client work via Zoom at the moment. I think I probably said to you last week that I actually feel that I'm able to give people more value via Zoom because normally we're, we're sitting in a small office um, and I, I tell them all this stuff. I show them on my computer. We share the, the screen. You know, they're sitting in front of my screen and they take notes. And I think a lot of the time, I, I always feel that two hour sessions would be a perfectly all right because you're, you're usually frazzled with ideas at the end of two hours. It's about as much as a normal human being can take. Uh, I've worked out over time. It's just a lot of stuff to share in that time. Uh, but they go home and often they go home and then they think, well, Paul, show me how to do that. And I got it at the time and now I've forgotten. But with Zoom, of course, I get to show it to them and, and I can give them the replay video as well. So I actually think I'm get, giving the better value at this moment in time rather than I was when I was doing it face to face. But um, next week, uh, it's just absolutely amazing. Next week, I am pretty well working with clients wall to wall next week. Now, I did say to you that I would be timing the client so that I, I don't have to get up too early. I've got time to go for a run before I do clients. But if I just tell you what my schedule is like next week, Tuesday, I've got an online client 11 to 1. I've got another client 2 to 4. On Wednesday, I've got a client 11 to 1, another one 2 to 4. On Thursday, I'm doing a webinar, and don't ask if you can join it because you can't because it's a proper funded uh, webinar. It's a closed webinar that I'm doing and I get paid for separately. It's a corporate webinar, so it's not open to the public. Uh, but I'm doing a webinar from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. Now, that was a training session that I'd written off thinking that, oh, I'm not going to get paid for that one now because I, I had actually cancelled it on Monday. And then the people I do it for about an hour later and said, we're cancelling all the training. So I was just slightly ahead of them with that because I was thinking all last week, we ought not to be doing these anymore. I don't really want to do these. I'd rather the organisers cancelled it. But I was about an hour ahead of them in cancelling it because I decided over the weekend, I'm not doing this from a position of social responsibility, um, not, not personal responsibility responsibility but social responsibility we shouldn't be doing things like this anymore so I cancelled it on the Monday um, but it was worth quite a lot of money to me and I'm pleased to say it's now going ahead as a webinar so I'm doing that on Thursday I got I, my voice is going to be frazzled on Thursday because um, I had another client um, booked in and I'm going to do another client from three till five on that day so uh, at least I've given myself two hours to have a bit of lunch and for my voice to recover. And then on Friday, I have another client from 11 to 1. So I got wall-to-wall -wall client work next week, all done via Zoom. And then the other thing I had to do, because this is um, currently it's a, an EU-funded project, and we have to get what are called wet signatures. 
Um, uh, I, I, we can't do it online as you would expect us to be able to do in this day and age. We have to get client signatures. So I've also this week had to send paperwork and come up with a system that allows me to get those wet, wet signatures, which then allows me to invoice for the time that I spent um, so that we can manage wet signatures in a reasonable way. So it's been a logistics exercise this week. But, um, you know, I've basically said to the people who give me this work, look, I could do any number of webinars, I could do any number of clients, but the deal is they have to work with me online. I, you know, I'm not doing any in-person stuff now. And, and indeed, you know, it's only a matter of time until that's all clamped anyway. So we might as well set out our stall and work like this. So, you know, I've got a lot of client work coming up, basically, which I will fit in around the the work. But I just feel... I just feel very fortunate to be able to do that at this moment in time that my uh, next week is the busiest week ever with clients. I'm doing more clients than I would like to be doing. I haven't got enough time to do the stuff I want to do in my writing career. So, um, you know, that I know that's a very privileged and lucky position to be in at the moment. But this goes back to what I was saying to you about creating and selling digital products. My aim since leaving the BBC has been to create a business that I can run from a computer anywhere in the world uh, and and you know that's that's how we live nowadays and, and that's the business that I've got at the moment I can carry on writing I can carry on publishing books I can carry on dealing with clients I can carry on refreshing and creating digital products you know all of this goes on all I need is a laptop an internet connection and, and somewhere to work and that can be in any place so if you are if this is making you reconsider I think a lot of people are reconsidering at the moment saying why did I go into the office all that time? I could do this perfectly easily at home. I think that I think a lot of people will do a lot of soul searching as a result of this. And clearly, we're in crisis management at the moment. It's like the the hydra. Every time we chop off a head, another head grows. It's going to be like that for a little while. One of the things I've known I needed to do because I've said to you for a long time that I know that trilogies work really well for me, and that I sell a book for the first book in the series. I give it away for free on BookBub and then I make my money on books two and three. I've known for a long time that I really ought to be more aware of my read through on my books. And then I've looked through, is it Brian Meeks, I think mentions read through. And uh, I think the help my Facebook ads suck. I think they do a little bit on read through. I've looked at those and I've taken one look at the spreadsheets and I've just wanted to, oh, no, you know, oh. <laughs> it's this is the kind of stuff that just makes my brain switch off completely it's it just doesn't interest me at all but was it I can't remember what I was listening to the other day it might have been I can't remember it was a it might have been read in a book or it might have been in a podcast but anyhow something reminded me of reader links the service called reader links and I knew I'd signed up for reader links some time ago but I hadn't done anything with it and something about this podcast or whatever it is made me go back to reader links and think, oh, let's look at that because they do read through, don't they? And so this week I've got my reader links account and I, I could say I just had a little play with it and never done anything with it. I'd never upgraded it. This week I upgraded reader links and in the evenings I have been listing every single book that I've got. And with reader links, basically you, are, you, you add your books, you add um, ASIN, you add uh, the price on Kindle, you add the, every book has a, download cost when you go and look at the price in your kdp dashboard board you'll see that you get it tells you what your royalties are but it also tells you what the small download cost is and on a seventy-five thousand word book that's usually about seven cents something like that so you factor in your download costs on a book 
And then what's the other thing you do? Oh, you, uh, the, the K, I, I've learned a couple of tricks this week. You also note down the K, is it KENP reads when people read it for free? Um, as part of, is it Kindle Unlimited? Whatever it's called. Sorry if I'm getting these names wrong. Um, and I learned that you go to find out what those pages are, because it's not just the pages in your book. You go to your, oh, blimey, my, my, my brain's not working. I'm distracted. Sorry about that. Um, you go to your Amazon ads and in the ads console, it tells you what your KNP read number is. And you have to put that into read links as well. And then you list your books and then you download the, the data for the last 90 days from Amazon, your sales data, you upload it to ReaderLinks and magically ReaderLinks pairs all the books and then it's absolutely brilliant. It tells you what your read-through rate is and it tell it's brilliant this. It tells you um, how much ACOS, what your ACOS could be to, uh, and, and what your, your bid cost could be in Amazon so that when you sell that first book at whatever price it is, it tells you what your read-through is, and then it, it basically sets all your numbers right. So you know what you need to bid to be profitable. And you'll have heard people like Mark Dawson say, um, and probably uh, Brian Cohen as well, I think, has said it. You don't need to worry. Most of us look at ACOS and try and get it well below 100, but we wouldn't let it go over 100 because we've been trained to believe not to do that. But actually, you can have your ACOS over 100%. And in actual fact, this is what ReaderLinks has been telling me this week. It's been telling me that I could run my ACOSs on uh, Amazon ads over 100% and still be profitable on my series. So um, that has been a fascinating exercise. And the minute I started to get a feel for those results, I thought, all right, I get this now. And so I've listed every single book I've got in reader links. And it now is giving me data on my read-throughs, which is absolutely fascinating data. So um, I, I'm paying for it. Obviously, you've got to pay for read links. And it does other things as well as read-through. But if you have got a series... And you've got at least some reasonable data on that series. You sold a couple of the books so that you get a sense of read through. I'm going to recommend that you get read links for free first. Just have a look at it for free and maybe just list all your books and then consider upgrading. Now I've upgraded for a month at the moment and what I may end up doing, I have a feeling I'm just going to end up buying it for the year because it's so good. Um, but I had, you know, again, foolishly, read links is one of these things I parked. I hadn't got the time to look at it properly, but there was something that triggered me in a podcast or a book that made me think, hmm, need to go back to read the links. But it's so easy. Once you've listed your books, that data interrogation is just brilliant. The data, the way it presents your data for you in, in pie charts and things like that, absolutely brilliant. So I'm going to give that my high recommendation this week. In actual fact, I must find out whether they've got an affiliate program because I like it so much. I can tell you I'm going to be promoting that quite a lot in subsequent weeks. So do have a look at that, please. If that's if you've only got one book, it's not really going to tell you very much at all. But if you're more advanced with this, and particularly if you've got a series, you do need to be looking at reader links. Get it free for first and then decide whether you're going to get value out of it if you upgrade. I submitted the grid one to BookBub on Sunday. I always leave this poignant pause. You see, I've, I've been seeing what they do on The Voice too much. You see, all these poignant pauses that you get on these programs now when they announce the results. Yeah, the grid was in. Is it the third time, third or fourth time I've submitted it since it got accepted for the first time, which is many months ago now, and it got rejected. So another reject for the grid one on BookBub. Now, they accepted it once. So I assume that all the the parts that they need, like the blurb and the cover are okay. But I'm wondering whether BookBub, 
I'm wondering whether BookBub tracked the promos and whether they say, well, that actually didn't do very well. Presumably they've got tracking links on that. Presumably they could look back at their data and say, well, this one flies off the shelves or this one doesn't do very well. So I'm wondering if that's what they've done with the grid one. I mean, it did okay for me, if I remember rightly. It wasn't, it didn't, uh, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't amazing. It wasn't like doing a psychological thriller one is. But uh, it did all right. It was fine. So I don't know whether they look at their data from the previous promo too, and they've had a look at it and they thought, oh, it's not very good, actually. We won't do that again. Because I know that the the core parts of it must be right. Otherwise, they wouldn't have accepted it last time. So um, again, I'm just going to keep throwing myself back into the ring month after month and see if they accept it again. Um, I guess in that scenario, my time might come depending on who's been submitting that week or you know for that day so i might just get lucky so we'll you know we'll just keep going as far as i'm concerned with that i also bought another calytics report this week and these are things i resisted for a while the reader links i resisted for a while and calytics i'd resisted for a while and the minute i i stumped up my cash and saw what they did i realized immediately why people were raving about them but one of my I, I am listing in the female protagonist uh, categories in psychological thrillers. It's it's a good category for me because a lot of my um, a lot of my protagonists are female. So I specifically list those books in those categories. So it made every sense in the world for me. I mean, I just looked at it and said, "Yeah, I'm having that." A, a deep dive into female protagonists. So I'm going to look at what other categories work there as well. So again, with Calytics, they're thirty seven dollars, which is twenty six pounds, something like that. Uh, it's just brilliant data. I couldn't get the data anyway. I like the way that Alex Newton uh, presents the data. Uh, I'm not, I don't like a lot of data use. I re- all I really want with data is just tell me what I got to do and make it as simple as possible. I don't really care how you got there. Just, just present what I need to know. Let me pick the bones of it so I can get what I need and move on. I, I don't really want to over geek on it. I just need to know what I need to know. That's really what I'm saying. So, um, Great reports. I haven't worked through it yet. I hope to do it over the weekend. But basically what I do with those reports is, I, I, as I say, I pick the bones. I strip out for particular things. I'm looking for profitable, hot categories that are underserved. I'm looking for keywords that work. I'm looking at the covers for my general intelligence, you know, in terms of am I writing the right sort of thing. I'm looking at descriptions as well. I'm also looking for people for also bought and people to target in Facebook, on BookBub and elsewhere. So that's generally what I'm stripping those reports for. But they're well worth it. If you get one that comes up in your specific genre or categories, then I highly recommend getting the Calytics reports, the data that you will get. When when you're looking at it and saying, oh, that's $37, I could use that $37 for something else. It's the same as with reader links. What I want you to do is always think about it in terms of your time. If you spent time doing that, and if you pay yourself a minimum wage, for instance, just assume you're, just assume for rough budgeting purposes, your time is worth a minimum wage payment, whatever it is in your country. Then just ask yourself how many hours worth of your time that's worth in terms of minimum wage work. Ask yourself how long it would take you to research that. And if you did research it, you probably wouldn't do it as efficiently or as accurately. And then, you know, if you need to put a price on it, that's what I do. I say, that's great data. I couldn't research that data. It would take me days and forever to do that data if I even got it right. That's worth a couple of hours of my time if I even count my time at minimum wage. So if you, if you need a way of saying, is that worth it? I mean, reader links, for instance, that would take me hours of boring work to do. And what did it cost me? $14 this week? I mean, that's not even, is that even an hour? I don't know. Two hours of, of minimum wage time, you know? So it, I just find it a useful rule of thumb to, if, if you're bothered about spending money on things, saying, should I, should I spend that or not? 
try and try and articulate it in terms of the time and the effort that it saves you that you can then be spending on producing units which frankly will sell better because you bought these products in the first place you know you'll sell more products and it'll allow you it'll free you up to create more products so that that's my sort of thinking with that and if you ever struggle to say is is that worth my money or is it not try and do the time comparison so what's it worth in terms of your time the time that it saves you the time you know and obviously when we when we, it takes a certain amount of time to write a book when we write that book we need to make our sales systems efficiently because the having spent that time on the book it then becomes an evergreen product that we can sell time and time and time and time again years into the future it becomes a very profitable unit Okay, so I just wanted to finish this on an optimistic mood of positivity and to just let you know that in spite of everything, EasyJet released their winter flights this week. And so I, I have booked myself and my wife, and then I've also booked the kids out who will be joining us later for Christmas and New Year. I booked our flights out to Spain. I'm po- positive about this. You know, I, I'm overly uh, positive about this. We're going to go through, through some very hard times, I think. But I trust in science. I write sci-fi, for goodness sake. I trust in science. They're already all over it, doing human tests. And, 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 you know, we can model this stuff on computers. We can share information. I'm trusting in science to at least manage it and mitigate the circumstances. So in the meantime, we, we just have to wait it out. So I'm looking to at least September. I won't book anything now until at least September. I won't even think about it. But I did want to have this positivity and I think this is important at this moment in time to set something in the distance to look forward to so it's not all bad news um we've booked from the 1st of November uh, in Spain I don't know what the world's going to look like by then but I'm not going to cancel that booking in Spain it's going to hold it's paid for um, I can refund it but I'm not going to refund it um uh, because I'm going to I want to be positive about this I've booked our flights out for the 1st of November um, those books, those flights are booked. I haven't booked return flights for myself and my wife because we don't know when we're coming back. And I've booked return flights for the children so that they can come and see us. They're all traveling together. They're all going to fly from the same airport. I've given them a nice row of seats so they can sit together in the plane and they will be flying out and we've got their return date as well. Now, if I have to write that off, so be it. <laughs> you know, that's how I feel about this thing. But I am putting a line in the sand in the distance and saying, I am going to be positive about that I understand I'm a grown-up I understand this might change um but I want to do that's my personal line in the sand is I really want to do this and I'm really going to try very hard to do this thing that I've wanted to do for years and I understand I'm a big boy if I can't do it we'll have to cancel and we'll have to postpone it for another year but I'm hoping for it and to me what better way you know what's your celebration going to be when we all come out from our houses and we could all sort of enjoy the world again what is your celebration going to be sometime in the future that's what's mine mine's going to be i understand it might not happen because we've got some tough times ahead but i think you need to set that line in the distance that aspiration that when you think about it it brings you nothing but positivity and joy what are you going to do in your life that gets you through this that's what i'm setting in my life we might have to move that goalpost, um and if we do so be it um but i'm setting that date setting those flights committing to that just felt absolutely wonderful and in sort of lower times when things are getting difficult we've always got that thing to look forward to and you think how amazing that's going to feel if we're able to do that in November after what we're all going through and what we're all going to have to go through it's going to just feel amazing isn't it to be able to get out into the world once again so set that 
whatever it is in your life, whatever you could afford, I would say set that stick in the distance and make it quite a, say a long-term goal. I think it's going to have to be a six-month-out kind of goal. Um, but what thing brings you immense joy and pleasure to think about? And I'd try and set one of those things in a in a mood of positivity. That's what I've done this week. And uh, you know, I'm going to stick to it and hope that we can we can do that. Okay, that's it. Uh, I hope it's been uh, useful to you this week. I want to be a voice of positivity in all of this. I want you to know that the work will keep getting done. You know, I've found solutions to my working situation using Zoom, uh, changing you know changing things round. But also, it's unsettled me. I'm not going home with all of this. It's massively unsettled me. Of course, I'm concerned. You know, I've got kids at university. I've got an elderly mother who I'm concerned about, and I'm on the phone about things like this. Of course, I'm concerned about that. But my mood is of positivity and of moving forward and doing what we can when we can. And I hope you've got that spirit from today's podcast. Wherever you are in the world, I hope you're safe. I hope you're well. I'll be back next Saturday with another podcast diary. Bye-bye for now. Thanks for listening to Paul's Podcast Diary. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast feed to hear next week's update and find out how many words get produced over the next seven days. Until then, we hope you have a great week of writing.